0: Hello, and welcome to our latest episode of SB2MD. While mentorship is an important aspect of getting into medical school, the relationships you build last far beyond graduation. From asking for letters of recommendation to switching employers, connections are essential to success in the medical world. We're joined this week by Dr. Basil, professor and mentor at Stony Brook to discuss the importance of fostering long lasting connections within your field. So, today we're going to be talking about mentoring and letters of recommendation, which are a really important part of the med school application. So, first, we have a guest with us this weekend. Dr. Basil, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Hi, my name is Maria Basil, um, and thank you everyone for inviting me. I um, am a former colon and rectal surgeon in private practice, but currently am a medical educator and have also worked. In hospital administration and health plan administration, as chief medical officer and a medical director. I am Dr. Post's associate director of the Center for Medical Humanities, Compassionate Care, and Bioethics. So, in this capacity, I've had a lot of experience mentoring people, asked, being asked to be a mentor, and, and being asked to write a letter of recommendation for folks who are applying to different levels in their career. And we're so excited to have you. This is going to be a great episode.
0: So I'm going to start off with our first question. How and when should you ask for letters of recommendation?
2: So I had a college pre-med advisor that gave me some really good advice in terms of when to ask for letters of recommendation. And I know I didn't go to Stony Brook for undergrad, so things may be slightly different for a lot of the students listening to the podcast. But what he said was, you want to ask for letters of recommendation when you're in a class, regardless of what year it is. So, if you're a first year sophomore, or whatever in college, ask for the letter of recommendation then. Yes, the letter of recommendation will have information that will be super outdated by the time you actually apply to med school. However, it at least gives that professor time to process. Oh, okay, I have to write a letter of recommendation. Now I can take two months if I want to. You know, I don't have to submit it in a week which is often what happens during your senior year if you're applying and then by the end of it you're still saying thank you very much for writing a letter of recommendation on my behalf and you can always send them tidbits then your junior year your senior year post grad so that they can update the letter there's nothing that says they can't write a letter two years in advance and then just update it again when you're actually applying and that way you're getting a really good quality letter when you interact with this professor For a lot of students, they might be taking some sort of science STEM class. They might be taking it sophomore year, early junior year, and then they might take a gap year. So it's like two or three years after they've taken a course with a professor by the time they actually ask for a letter of recommendation. And while I should say that you should still kind of try to keep in touch with the professor, you're not seeing them as often as you used to. Your sophomore year, junior year, you were seeing them a few times a week, maybe going to their office hours once a week. And then that kind of drops off because you don't have time like your senior year to go and see that professor's office hours. So uh, that is some advice that I definitely will say is just ask for a letter whenever you're with a professor that you think this is going to be a good relationship and would have like a great chance of supporting your application to med school. Ask for it right then and there. And then if need be, update it once you actually do apply.
3: Um, so you want to get, to uh someone to a letter of recommendation who knows you very well. Just because let's say someone, some director and just saw you one time, maybe, you know, cleaning beakers in the lab, that might not be the person you want. Maybe the graduate TA who you work with on a daily basis and they can say you persevered, you did experiments. And when they don't work, you go back to the drawing board and you recalibrate or do whatever you got to do. So someone who, you know, um, I know now people are starting to prepare their applications for the MCAS. That would be a good time to, you know, Get those people that you start developing relationships and kind of be like, oh, you know, I'm applying this year. You know, I really would want you to write me a very good letter of recommendation. But I think it starts early with, like Frankie said, developing a relationship and really checking in on that person. You know what I mean? Whether it's once a year you write, you know, oh, you know, just check it in. Happy New Year. Or, you know, just wanted to drop a note or, you know go to their office and see if they're there and just say, hi, you know, I'm doing this and that. Trust me, when you ask someone for a letter of recognition, they'll be so happy to write
1: you one. It's not a burden. It's just. What both Frankie and Alex have been saying is, is so important that it's really quality over quantity, you know, as far as who you ask and how many you ask for and how many people you ask for a letter. And you want to go to people again, who know you well, For a lot of different reasons, former professors, people who were mentors to you, maybe people that you shadowed, even all the way back to high school. And this may even be an opportunity for you to get back in touch with people who you had a pretty good relationship with while you were taking the class. If you are just smart enough, as I'm sure some of our uh, listeners are, to start really super early thinking about this Don't be afraid to kind of show up during uh, office hours at one of your favorite classes and, and really talk about things that you're passionate about and start to build that relationship that ultimately will lead to a great rapport when you're in your senior year and looking for these letters. And then when it does come time to ask for the letter, try to give the person as much time as possible to think about it. Give them plenty of notice. If you can at all, try to ask them in person. That'll help remind them what an impact you had on, on the class, on them. Just to keep it really personal, remember it's about the relationship. It's not really all about the letter. It's about the, a relationship that you've built through your undergraduate career. And then also remember that you are asking for a favor.
4: Next question. Um, to give our listeners some real-life examples, when you all were pre-med students, who did you guys ask for letters of recommendation?
3: Dr. Post. I love Dr. Post. So basically, he's the director of the Compassion Care Bioethics at Stony Brook. I did my master's, and I think I was very passionate about that. All of the classes were just I love them so much that during the class sessions, I would just be so involved. It was just an amazing experience for me. And I think he saw that. So I think you really have to kind of seek these people out. And I think this person is going to write a stellar recommendation for me. So that's what I did. Obviously, I had other people write me. But I think it has to be a very trusting relationship that you know this person and they know you 100%.
1: Um, both Dr. Post and I are in a very interesting position in that we are often asked to write letters of recommendation um, to people who are applying to medical school, but we also get to review some of the absolute best of the best of letters of recommendation for people who are applying for a dual degree and getting the MDMA designation and they are the potential candidates for that dual degree, we actually get to review their letters of recommendation for medical school and then other letters at times that they will also supply to support their application to the master's program. And so as far as the different types of people you can ask and the different types of letters that I've seen, I've seen particularly for people applying to medical school or to the master's program kind of later in life, or maybe they've taken a gap year or maybe they've um, had other experiences before getting their calling to medicine. I've seen letters of recommendation, not just from other professors or from mentors, but from bosses. I've seen letters from bosses, from colleagues when they've worked in different clinical situations or in doctor's offices, in labs. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be an academic relationship that you've developed uh, to give you a letter of recommendation. Remember, this letter is a supplement to your grades, your GPA. These letters are something that they're going to uh, complement that and going to give the admissions committee really a fuller picture of who you are.
2: Yes, I definitely agree 100%. You really want to make sure you're putting your story as to why you chose medicine in these letters as well. Obviously, you're going to be telling your best story in your personal statement, but even your letters should be riddled with excellence as to why you specifically deserve to be in this medical school just to like give a little bit of background into like who I asked for some of the letters. Sure, you can always ask, you know, a science professor, a non-science professor, like some schools will give you advice as to you should have one science, one non-science or one math, one English, you know, whatever. You can always go with a couple from that basic guideline. But I agree that you should definitely have some of your most impactful activities have a letter as well. Because when you're writing your application, there's a section where you'll be talking about all the different activities and events and whatnot you've done in in college, and I think it looks really good when that section where you check off a box that says this was one of my most impactful extracurriculars in college also has a letter of recommendation from it, because then it just puts that much more emphasis on the fact that not only did you enjoy doing this activity, but whoever the director was, whether it was a professor, whoever it was also enjoyed your presence, also felt that you contributed to what was going on as a whole in the picture. I definitely agree there. In terms of mine, I, I asked previous employers for a letter of recommendation, and I also asked an extracurricular that I was doing um, as part of an NGO. And funny enough, the directors of that organization were all medical students at the time because they were all college students when the organization started, and now most of them were in medical school. By the time I was applying to medical school, they were only like three or four years older than me. So funny enough that I had a letter co-signed by like three med students and one current resident signed one of my letters of recommendation for an extracurricular. So definitely include the activities that you love to do so that it's all feeding into your story as to why, you know, you need to be in medical school.
0: For sure. That's really good advice. So we've talked a little bit about the people you should be asking for letter of recommendation. But when scouting out a person to build a professional relationship with, what kind of person should you be looking for? Who can be your mentor? I just started my neurology
3: rotations at Stony Brook. And I kind of already have someone in mind. This individual, um, she's a physician. She has very high standards, um, but she's very much approachable. I kind of vibed very well with her. And we kind of clicked, um, and it was my favorite rotation so far. So I think you have to kind of feel it out. She was super helpful, super amazing. I think a lot of people, they're very scared if someone says, oh, no, you're not doing this right. Criticism is good and then helps you become better. I think that's another thing. I was doing something wrong, but she was able to say, oh, Alex, this is not how we do it. This is how we do it. And able to correct me. And a good mentor is someone who is going to help you grow. So put you out of that comfort zone and ultimately make you grow. So I think that's the people who you need to fought out. Also, someone who's able to like get along with you is probably a really good thing. So
2: I can say that finding someone to write you a letter of recommendation is now a new lifelong skill you will have. Because it does not stop here. A lot of you probably had to find someone for college applications. But I will say, you know, finding a letter of recommendation for college applications isn't really as intense. You know, you kind of just walk up to your favorite high school teacher and say, hey, can you write me a letter of recommendation? And then that's it. College to now go to medical school, you need to definitely build a really good relationship. You're not seeing them every day like your high school teachers. You definitely need to find someone that when you go to their office hours, you feel inspired to pursue academia. You feel inspired to pursue medicine. Some of you might be MD-PhD candidates that are looking at schools too. And I will throw in the caveat that you do definitely need a research um, letter of recommendation if you're doing MD-PhD. But in general, you need to be building these relationships because you will need these as like lifelong letters of recommendation. It doesn't stop here. Alex and I will now need residency letters. We might need fellowship letters maybe when we're moving hospitals after we're in attending for a couple years and we're moving to another state or you know trying to find a job closer to home you might need letters of recommendation it's just a never-ending cycle and eventually sure your resume might speak for itself when you're in the business for 40 years but you're going to be doing this for such a long time that it's a skill you need to keep and maintain and keep practicing keep building relationships with residents once you're in medical school or keep building relationships with other medical students because they might be working at a hospital system that you might want to move to once you're doing residency or fellowship. So this is definitely a skill that I'm learning and definitely will be continuing to practice building relationships with mentors and advisors, professors in college. But yes, eventually it'll be colleagues as well is the way to go.
1: Great advice. Great advice, because really what both Frankie and Alex are saying is that this is a lifelong skill. You're actually building relationships. You're building your network. You're making connections. You're not just trying to go out there and get the best letter. You're not looking for somebody with the best title or anything like that. You're really building your friend group. You're building, you're finding the people who you're drawn to, who you don't mind talking to about your dreams and aspirations about bad grades about good grades about hardships that you've been through and that you um that you look to them for inspiration on how to get past some of those barriers and how to move on with your career so it's definitely you know working on building a rapport with your professors but also with colleagues with your classmates um, Ultimately, who may be people who really have an incredible, incredible effect on your career and on your life. These are really the connections that you make for life. That's a really, really important point that both Frankie and Alex brought out. That the idea of asking people for a letter of recommendation at one point almost becomes you want to already be in a relationship where they would be like, Of course. And then they're going to ask you, though what do you want me to write? And so if I can, let me take a couple of minutes to talk about what is helpful to provide to the person that you um, are asking for a letter. Now, hopefully, as we've said, you've cultivated this relationship and this letter is going to be able to demonstrate things outside of your grades and your test scores, things about your character, about your aspirations, about your dreams and goals and ways that you've overcome barriers to go in those directions you start out of course with your resume with your CV sometimes if you're working on a personal statement if you've written something for you know an essay or a blog or something like that that speaks to some of those items that's always helpful to share with your mentor or with the person who's writing a letter for you and even if you want a bullet list of points that you want to make sure that they get in there because they are boxes that you've checked off and things that you've mentioned um, have been really impactful to you. It is a really, really positive thing when the person reviewing the application packet sees a connection between the boxes that were checked the personal statement and then it shows up right in the letter of recommendation that's like a home run so so it's always important to not just choose the best people for your letter of recommendation but to really give them what they need to help them write the best letter for you
2: i will also say that these lifelong relationships that you're trying to build with people they continue and so as we've all said since being in med school, will still send occasional updates to some of the folks that wrote letters of recommendation for me. So like after finishing my first year of med school, I sent them all, hey, I finished my first year of med school. Here's where I am. Here's what I'm doing. You know, that kind of thing. Obviously, some of the people might be busy and they may not respond as much. The summer might be an intense period because that's when they're really trying to get some publications out, things like that. But some of them might respond and you might carry on a conversation for a little bit, but it's definitely still something that like You should be continuing some of these relationships.
4: Okay, so for our next question, this question is more directed towards Alex and Frankie. Talking to your experiences, who do you consider your mentors to be now that you are in medical school in comparison to who your mentors were potentially in undergrad, the kinds of relationships that you have now?
3: Well, for me, I think it's very important that the mentors that I had in college, I kind of maintain a relationship with them. For the most part, obviously, in medical school, you kind of change a little bit. As I'm going through med school, I'm kind of building on who's going to be my mentor and who I'm going to kind of ask for advice and everything. One of my biggest allies right now is probably one of the deans at Stony Brook, who's really kind of my mentor. A mentor is not always going to, they're not going to tell you what to do. They're going to kind of help you get there. So if you have a mentor who says this and this and this, that probably maybe you might want to find a different mentor who puts you on the path to getting where you are. He doesn't tell you that. I'm sure Frankie has something to say about that too.
2: Yeah. So in college, my mentor for pre-medical advice, you know, applying to medical school was actually one of the RAs that lived in my dorm. And this will be different for Stony Brook students because I don't think your RAs are grad students, but the RAs at my university were all grad students. So some of them were in medical school. So they could give good advice as to what to expect, what to do, because they've lived it, gone through the application cycle. And sure, you know, things might update from year to year, but for the most part, certain expectations don't really change. So because I had his phone number, I could just like randomly text him sometimes and I still do like I'll still randomly text him and just kind of check how things are it's definitely like a nice relationship that I've been able to maintain and now that I'm in medical school there's this like barrier of you're trying to find mentors but sometimes you don't even have time to meet with said mentor because Alex and I just started our rotations our clerkships and you're kind of in the hospital from, you know, 7am to 5pm, depending on if you're on the day shift. And so like, if you're not in the hospital, then you're studying, which means you don't really have time to reach out to a mentor and meet with them, potentially talk about how residency applications might work and how to make yourself look like the best applicant to even come back to Stony Brook. So now, there, you know, there's that barrier where I got to try to find time to even reach out to some folks, because during my first year and partway into the second year, when we're taking courses, there were actually like multiple doctors who I, I really appreciate of that let me shadow them in clinic or would meet with me on zoom to talk about different things potentially like how to make myself look like a better applicant because i'm actually trying to stay at stony rip for residencies and I'm, re- I'm really trying to make sure that i'm getting in as many experiences as i can to try to make sure that i'm making myself the best applicant for residency and i'm really appreciative of them but you know those moments that you know they last too short for me i wish i could get some of them back because now that we're in clerkships We'll eventually finish clerkships and take our step exams, and then we're into residency applications. It's such a fast-moving ball. Well, you know, it's it's like an avalanche at this point. You know, we're at that point in our education where it's just going to be, you know, all downhill from here. So.
1: And if I can add uh, just a quick thing. You know, there really actually is a big difference between the folks who have been helping you all along since high school, you know, um, your guidance counselors, your, uh, you know, your um, professors and have really, really acted more like coaches than like mentors. So you know how a coach helps you in sports to really know the fundamentals, know the different steps, know exactly what you need to get from point A to point B. Mentor, the mentoring relationship is a lot more about, about inspiration, about role modeling, about resilience. And, um, you know, it's a very trusting relationship. There's a lot of compassion and empathy involved. Um, uh, There's always inspiration and there's always hope um, in those relationships. So it's, it's a very, very different. That was a great question really to draw a difference between the folks who are really cheering you on and, and coaching you through, the pre-medical parts of your education, but once you enter the medical education and the, uh, and the training part of, uh, of the profession, it's a much more mentoring relationship than a coaching relationship.
4: I was going to add in context for our listeners, because Frankie, you were talking about undergrad and medical school of that. Um, Frankie, you went to a different undergrad than Stony Brook, and Alex, you went to undergrad at Stony Brook and now in medical school at Stony Brook. So um, it's good to hear um, from Frankie about how you're still maintaining some of those relationships with your mentors.
0: I'm going to adapt that question a little bit for Dr. Basil. How did the relationships with your mentors that you made during medical school benefit your medical career later?
1: The relationships that I had in medical school, they became really my family. So really, you're the The relationships that you make in medical school are the beginning of your birth into the house of medicine. And so they become your brothers and sisters, and they become part of your family. And then through training and residency, fellowship, and then even when you go out to practice Um, whether you're with a system that's affiliated with the medical school that you went to, or whether you're in a completely different state, other part of the country, other part of the world, you always have your family, you know, at medical school where you came from. Coming back to Stony Brook University and being able to talk about one of my mentors in medical school. So one of my mentors in medical school was Dr. Edmund Pellegrino, okay, and he was... At that time, being asked to be part of the Kennedy Institute of Ethics, he was a family medicine doctor at Georgetown, where I went to medical school. But he had previously, and probably a decade before he was there at Georgetown, he was the founding dean of the medical school here at Stony Brook, um, and and Pellegrino Drive is the um, street. That goes from the south entrance around toward um, East Campus. And, um, you know, it's named for him. He's a very uh, famous and and he was a beloved mentor, really, to me. And then coming back here and being able to talk about his legacy as in the philosophy of medicine, in, in bioethics, is really just a thrill to me because it's really like honoring somebody really kind of adopted me into the family of medicine.
4: For our next question, speaking more to the other side of mentor relationships, with all of your experiences as mentors, what traits do you look for in students you consider mentoring?
1: so in students i think i feel like one of the things that really keeps me excited about what i do is students intellectual curiosity i love people who love to think about medicine as just a big giant question and who love to answer the big questions around medicine and who want to solve the big problems that a life in the healing professions is exposed to so for me an interest in the things that make us human, that bring us together rather than divide us, and an interest in really being able to help people, but more than help people, to know when to ask for help. So those are the things that I look for in students that are looking for a relationship.
2: In terms of when I mentor students, since we're part of USEP, I think I take a special interest in students who need the life advice, the life mentorship. And I can give a, a little background information to where since I took two gap years, you know, I lived a lot of life from going to college to applying to medical school. So I think th- there's just a reality that you kind of have to go through when you're applying to medical school. Sure. But like once you're actually like an adult and, and you're not really relying on family members or you're not relying on food being prepared by a dining hall staff member, you're not, you know, th- those kinds of things you take for granted. And I think especially something like applying to medical school and how expensive it can be, be and how time consuming it can be. Those are all things that sometimes I just, I, I'll notice if students may potentially potentially thinking about it, struggling with that idea. And I'll tell them my story because I, I, I worked two jobs to apply to medical school. I was driving Uber after working. Uh, at the hospital, all day I had a job at the hospital pathology lab, and then would drive for a couple hours, you know, multiple times a week, just to try to make sure that I could afford both my rent and also being able to apply to medical school because it, it costs a lot of money. And I don't wish this upon anyone, and I really hope they continue having Zoom interviews. But interviews used to be in person, and you would have to pay to travel to these interviews. I often take a special interest in making sure that students feel like they know what they're getting themselves into, so that they're not regretting any decisions or they're making. sure that they're taking full advantage of this opportunity to apply to medical school, because it it would kill me if a student was applying to medical school and maybe wasn't sure what to do, and and then you find yourself kind of struggling because, you know, maybe applying to eight schools isn't sufficient to try to get your eggs in, in as many baskets as possible, which every school will recommend a different number, but making sure that you're getting your application as far and as wide as possible to make sure that you're being as competitive as possible. I just try to make sure that students know, you know, life goes on, things will happen. Always be how they say expecting the unexpected, just so that, you know, as you keep adapting, as you keep driving, things will come at you, but you're always able to conquer you know, all those obstacles and still end up applying. I definitely try to take special interest in making sure students know what they're getting into and that way they feel supported when they're doing it.
3: So I have something to add. I think the most important thing, especially since I was in neurology this week, and found a great mentor. I think you really, you know, if you have that light in you that you love medicine more than anything, and this is where you belong in med school, I think once you kind of share your story with the mentor, they will be more than happy to help you, guide you along. For example, my mentor, the physician that I was working with, we obviously did really well together. We kind of bonded together. And she's like, Alex, are you the first person in your family to go to med school? I said, yes. She's like, so am I. And we just bonded over simple things like that. And also seeing her take care of patients, the the sickest patients in the hospital on the floor, was just such a sweet moment that we had with so many patients. And I think you share these moments with your mentors and you're like, oh, my God, she's like the coolest thing. I want to be like her. So find those mentors. They're out there. Absolutely. They're out there. You just have to find them. And never be too ashamed of asking for help from your mentor or for a letter of recommendation or even wanting to talk with them because they might be busy one moment, but they will take all the time in the world. She's like, oh, I just have to go ask somebody about this, but I'll be right back, Alex. I promise. Like, you know, if you find someone who they say they're busy, but in the end, they never do it. They're not really busy but if you find someone who's like oh my god i'm a little busy but i'll be back they're the ones who are truly busy so just just if you ask for a letter of information and you know don't feel bad they
0: will do it for you just you know be patient obviously give them time absolutely i love the range of um, answers that you guys have that's a really great perspective so as mentors what are your goals for your students what do you hope that they get out of your mentorship?
2: I like to make sure that they have a better understanding of who they are. So sometimes when students are applying to medical school, which hopefully I'm not convincing students not to apply, but sometimes their goals of going to medical school, maybe they're not even their own dreams or goals, Maybe they're realizing that they weren't for the reasons they thought they were. So like I was mentioning earlier with like the life advice, some people have like their quote unquote quarter life crisis where you start to consider debate what you're doing and why you're really here. And and I kind of had one of those like, okay, like what does medicine mean to me? Like, why am I in medical school? Like that kind of thing. And you start to think about things in a different way and thinking about life in general. How does this tie into your vision for your future? How does this tie into your goals for your future? how do you see yourself being a physician in the future? Do you see yourself being anything from private practice to working in the hospital? Do you see yourself seeing patients every day? Because obviously those will tie into like which specialties you might want to go into and things like that. But at the same time, medicine is just like a constantly evolving field where you might be seeing one patient one day and trying to treat them for one thing. And then two seconds later, you're seeing a child who was just born and you might be Congratulating the mother and things like that. It's a roller coaster of emotion, sure, but I think the thing for me is do you see yourself doing this for the next 30, 40 years where you're taking your the time out of your day to help someone else be as healthy as possible? And I think that was what my little quarter life crisis was. Part of my life goals is making sure that other people, you know, live the longest and healthiest life possible to live with their loved ones, to be able to spend the most time on earth as possible. Life is short. Everyone will always say it. You got to be able to enjoy those experiences while you can. I think that's my biggest thing is making sure they understand more of who they are, what, what they're wanting to get out of this application and their, their future.
1: I agree with Frankie. One hundred percent. I really do. Um, That really part of medical school, medical training is really understanding your own identity as a person, as a physician, and all the other roles that you will play in life as parents, as friends, as colleagues. And so because of that, we do learn a lot of a lot of skills, a lot of knowledge and a lot of of talents, of ways of being, that we learn on behalf of the people that we care for. So we, on behalf of our patients, we learn to be trustworthy, to be compassionate, to inspire hope, to provide stability. But how often do we turn that on ourselves and make sure that we are compassionate with ourselves and forgiving of ourselves and healthy in our own mindset about ourselves? So in as much as we look at and reflect on the important role models in our lives and our mentors, being a good mentor actually also means being a good role model as well. So it really, you know, you have to kind of walk the walk and, you know, as much as you're talking the talk. And so it's really a, a matter of sustainability that Frankie is had mentioned. The things that you do and teach and learn and show your patients You have to be able to turn onto yourself and expect of yourself as well. And so that, you know, that is the way to retain the kind of meaning that you need and the kind of purpose that you need uh, to keep on going as a physician and as the, you know, as the best physician that you can be.
3: So I guess my last answer is kind of to find purpose. I was like my students to find a purpose for themselves. And obviously I love medicine so much that I think I try to kind of tell them what it's about and kind of make them understand that this is really medicine is a service to others. And it's basically, you know, you kind of giving up your time and all your kind of energy to basically be of service to someone. And that's basically for the rest of your life. So you should definitely enjoy more than anything doing it. So that is my piece of advice for students who are mentors.
2: And if I can add one more thing, pay it forward. There were plenty of mentors you've had along the way or that you will have along the way. Pass all that information back down too. Now that you guys are all in college, for those who are listening and applying to med school, there might be high schoolers that are applying to college that might need some advice. And that's definitely something that you can give them advice on. And then once a lot of you get into med school and you're doing your first year and things like that, then now you can pass on that information. So all those college students that, you know, sure, you might still know some people. I know I kept in touch with a couple people back when in college. And so during my gap years, as I was applying, I would get advice. And then now uh, during my first year, I would give that advice forward, that kind of thing, or even to my wife who actually just got into med school. She's going to be starting in the fall. Like those are all things that pay it forward. It's, it's, it's just a little bit of activity or work on your end. And it means so much more to the next person.
4: Thank you, Dr. Basil, for coming on and sharing your expertise. Also, Alex and Frankie. We hope that you will listen to our next episode as well. So stay tuned.